Tuesday morning to you, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon Podcast. Since it is Tuesday, this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode several years ago. Thanks for downloading, and I sure hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on June 6th of 2015 under the headline, The Small Town Police Chief Who Turned Out to Be a Murderer. Here we go. Back in 1948, the small Oregon town of Sandy had a problem. Its police chief, W.C. Stoneman, had resigned due to illness, and after a search, the city administration had started to realize that Stoneman had been underpaid. Why was this a problem? Put simply, they could not find a law enforcement professional who would take on the job of Sandy chief of police for the $150 monthly salary that they were offering. They did find one candidate for the job, though. He was a local fellow by the name of Otto Austin Lowell, a relatively recent arrival who had made a number of friends since coming to town, and his only criminal record was a drunken driving conviction from back east. At that time, of course, drunken driving was widely considered to be a minor infraction, like a speeding ticket. And, best of all, outgoing chief Stoneman recommended him. Stoneman apparently had worked with him when the two of them were night merchants policemen, essentially security guards. That was before Stoneman became chief. Stoneman said that Lowell was a rough-and-ready character and a good fellow if a little overly fond of an alcoholic beverage or two of an evening. And that was good enough for the city council, the members of which were as loath to part with money as anyone might be. And so, although Lowell didn't seem to cut the proper figure of a police chief, the job became his. Regrets started trickling in pretty soon after that. The new top cop turned out to be a bit unpredictable. Other Sandy residents later recalled that he was cheerful and talkative one minute and surly and snarling the next. He didn't bother with a uniform, but he often could be found drinking beer in the city tavern, sporting a leather motorcycle jacket with a pair of six-shooters slung cowboy-style on his hips and a pair of handcuffs dangling from his suspenders. The city judge offered the most frank and disdainful analysis of Chief Lowell. Lowell, he recalled, was, quote, a shifty-eyed, half-shaven roughneck who boasted, bragged, and lied. He was a day drinker, so he spent a lot of time in the tavern, regaling anyone who would listen with stories of his service in the United States Navy during the Second World War and slaking an obviously prodigious thirst with glass after glass of cheap suds. It wasn't the kind of situation that could last very long. And it didn't. Shortly after Chief Lowell was hired, a new mayor was elected, a resident named John Mills. And several months after that, Mills, never much of a Chief Lowell fan to start with, happened to be in a tavern with the chief when, nicely liquored up, Chief Lowell launched into a spirited denunciation of the personal character of several city council members. Furious, Mayor Mills walked up to him, stripped him of his gun and badge, and fired him on the spot. Well, not surprisingly, Lowell left Sandy soon afterward, and the town got busy trying to forget about the whole thing. That wouldn't be so easy, though. Not with the kind of headlines that started popping up in the Portland, Oregonian just a few years later. It seems that after leaving Sandy, Lowell had ended up in Compton, California. 
There, one January day in 1954, he was drinking in a local tavern and talking about an upcoming road trip to Syracuse, New York, when one of the other bar patrons, 31-year-old Elizabeth Jean Henderson, asked him if he'd be willing to take her with him as far as Newark, Ohio, so she could visit her relatives there. Elizabeth and her husband, both regulars in the tavern, both considered Lowell a friend. Soon an expense-sharing deal was struck, and the two of them were on the highway in Lowell's snazzy 1947 Buick headed east. When they got to Oklahoma City, Lowell and Henderson stopped and got a hotel room for the night. By the next morning, Lowell had driven on alone, and the maid coming to make up the room got a nasty shock. The room was spattered with blood, and Elizabeth Henderson's body, partially undressed, was wedged under the bed. She'd been beaten burned with cigarettes, and stabbed 19 times. Lowell, of course, promptly vanished. Authorities tracked him as far as Shreveport, Louisiana, where he'd pawned some of his stuff, and then he disappeared from view. A year went by. The heinousness of the murder caught the attention of the FBI, which put him on its ten most wanted list. But although the most wanted list was generally very effective in catching wanted crooks, Lowell wasn't caught that way. Instead, it was his thirst for alcohol that did him in. On January 9, 1955, the cops in Sanford, Florida, arrested a man who called himself Jack McCoy for public drunkenness. McCoy's fingerprints turned out to be a match for Lowell's. And how was it that the cops had Lowell's fingerprints on file? Why, because they'd been taken when he was arrested for drunken driving, many years before. Lowell was promptly extradited to Oklahoma and put on trial for the murder of Elizabeth Henderson. His attorney had a tough job trying to represent him, though, because he kept insisting that he'd killed her in self-defense, trying to fend off her sexual advances. Had the situation not been so serious, the jurors would probably have met this claim with scornful snickers. Did this guy seriously expect them to believe that Elizabeth Henderson was so hot for him that he'd been forced to defend himself from her raging nymphomania by burning her with cigarettes? It seemed he did. Consequently, the jury took very little time to come back with a unanimous guilty verdict. And so it was that, following a short series of appeals and requests for clemency, all of which were sabotaged by Lowell's remarkably unrepentant attitude, the former chief of police for the city of Sandy, Oregon, found himself strapped into an oak chair in the Oklahoma State Prison a few minutes after midnight, a black hood over his head, and electrodes on his head and legs, waiting for his 2300 volts. By 12.07 a.m., it was done. And by that time, Sandy had learned its lesson. After Lowell's firing, the city had promptly raised the city police chief's salary to competitive levels, and the town has enjoyed competent, murderer-free police services ever since. Key sources in this story have included works by Wally Hunter, Michael R. Wilson, and the back issues of the Portland Morning Oregonian, 1954, 55, and 57. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. More info is at our hub page at offbeatoregon.com. Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulp Lit Productions, a boutique publishing house about which more can be learned at pulp-lit.com. Speaking of which, if you enjoy listening to me, you might check out some of my audiobooks. You can find them most easily with a search for my name on audible.com. Most of them are old pulp stuff, H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Rice Burroughs, etc., but at least two of them are offbeat Oregon history-type stuff. Check them out if you're so inclined. 
This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details, see offbeatorgan.com slash cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatorgan.com. Episodes of Offbeat Organ History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.